yak babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by chocolate statues. History never tasted so good. My name is Aaron. Here are their personal pals, Dave. Hey, boys. Hello. We have Brick. <laughs> I'm curious about the heritage of these statues. That's, you know, don't ask too many questions. And then, of course, we have New American Nico. I know about your relationship Hello, with boys. She-Wolf. Stop <laughs> bring that up. <laughs> it's time for our annual end of the year episode where we take stock of the reading that has come in 2023 and reflect as we usually do we have a variety of categories here we have our best book or best read our least favorite book we also have my favorite category your favorite reading experience where you start talking about the thing that you not the thing you read but the time you read that was the most satisfying or pleasurable or meaningful to you over the course of the year let's see i want to start with nico on this one nico uh, I want you to come in hot with your best book of 2023. My single best book? And if you don't come in hot, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Just the top one or my whole list? You know it's not oh, beloved. List. Yeah. Do, do, whatever, <laughs> right. do whatever you got to do. Yeah, it wasn't beloved. Although I did just read Lettuce Descend by Jasmine Ward that was, I think, better than beloved. That was also a slavery book, but it wasn't quite five stars. Hmm for me but uh i had a kind of a lopsided year i had 10 book 10 five-star books in the first like six months of the year and then only two in the last six months and one of them was white noise Mm. so yeah i put from hell and white noise on my five-star list euphoria and writers and lovers by lily king Mm. guys probably heard of writers and lovers right it was pretty yeah pretty it came out a few years ago but it was pretty pretty famous and like you know, MFA circles because right. it's all about somebody in an MFA program in, in Cambridge. Like she works in Cambridge. Oh, wow. She works, I think, at Dante's, like behind Harvard, hmm. Harvard Square there. That was good. Euphoria was really good. Let's see. Kitchens of the Great Midwest by J. Ryan Straddle. That was, I think that came out a few years ago too. But that was, that was really good. When you read the audiobook on a road trip, it's nice when you find a good audiobook on a road trip and it just kills an entire day. Yeah. And then the Rob Delaney memoir, A Heart That Works, mm. which is very short, very sad. Aaron, you'll probably love it because it's like <laughs> it's funny, but it's just will absolutely destroy you. It's about his his like one year old son that is basically born with cancer yeah. and like just dies. And then uh, so my mystery thrillers of the year were The Change by Kirsten Miller, which is about these women who go through menopause and get like superpowers and then just fuck up all of the shitty men in their lives. Interesting. <laughs> it's pretty satisfying. The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead and Mother Daughter Murder Night by Nina Simon, which is I, I think a kind of a cozy, cozier mystery, but mm-hmm. but that one was really good. And then also From Hell and White Noise by Leigh Bardugo. And I think or no, no, sorry, sorry. The wrong wrong line. <laughs> Jesus. Uh from <laughs> Ninth House and Hellbent by Leigh Bardugo. And I think Ninth House was uh was one of the Goodreads readers' choice. The only one I agreed with. Huh. Because the the other one, I'll get to that in a second. And then the I read these Louisa Luna books that were really good. Hideout was published in this past year, and the other two I think were previous, but those were good. And then Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Have you guys heard of that one? No. Started watching the TV show, but then I didn't get very far. Yeah, the TV show. TV uh, show is pretty good. Uh, it's on Apple TV. The book is really good, and it's also like I don't know how you haven't heard of it because it's like publishing phenomenon. But it came out in 2022. So then let's really dig into 
the worst books of the year. Okay. <laughs> okay. These, these, these are uh, so, so sometimes a little more fun to talk about for me. Mm. Uh, so I didn't read. So the Goodreads mystery of the year was The Housemaid's Secret or something. I didn't read that one, but I did read The Housemaid, which is the previous book in that series. And it was one of the worst books I have ever, ever read. Hmm. It's about this woman who starts working as a nanny for this insane, insane woman. And she just repeatedly just refuses to to understand that the that her boss is fucking with her and her boss is fucking with her constantly. Huh. And she's just so at one point the uh the the gardener, the Italian gardener comes up to her and just whispers like one word to her and it's and it's uh pericolo and she like she looks it up later and she's like pericolo danger. I wonder what he could have been trying to tell me. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. And then I read uh Blindsided by if you saw the Will Trent show, it's by the same author. Uh, it was a really, really, really terrible book mm-hmm. about uh, a, a murder victim is blind, and then like they try to figure out like whatever. But the first one of the first lines that one of the detectives says is like, "Oh, she was blind. She she didn't even see it coming." It's oh, like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Is this an episode of CSI Miami? Yeah, Wool by Hugh Howey. I read that for a book club. That was had some of the most egregious plot holes of any book that i've that i've ever read huh. and he's just and then in i think i talked about it on a previous episode but in his uh in, in an ama on reddit at one point he just said that uh plot plot holes are a failure of imagination on the part of the reader and that <laughs> if you really wanted to you could come up with a reason that these things that don't make any sense make sense right so that was it for me and him and then i have some questions for you by rebecca mckay which is like a literary mystery, yeah. But the mystery part is really, really bad. It's ba- basically it's an episode. It's it's like the first season of Serial where they're trying to get you know the guy off who's they think is has been wrongfully convicted, right? And it's just it's it's really rough. It's really rough. like there's not really any mystery. The only mystery is that like she makes you think that the like this one person did it the entire time because she's like addressing the book to him and he's like you remember when you were really creepy in the this class and blah 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 and then it turns out it's not him it's like well what the what the fuck was the point of that right yeah so that's and then this spectacular that i just read for a book club that was really 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 bad it was basically just breeder propaganda it's like this woman starts out she's a rock star she's 21 years old she just wants to like be a slut and like fuck around, doesn't want any kids. And then at the halfway point, it just skips forward 16 years. Suddenly she's 37 and she wants more than anything in the world to have kids. <laughs> and then that, like her life is falling apart and she's, she thinks that having a kid is going to solve it. And then it ends when she has a kid and it solves all her problems. It's like, this is, uh, I just don't, I don't get the point of it. Yeah. So that's my list. Nice. Excellent. Rick, let's go to you. Your, uh, best and, and worst, we got it. Sure. I mean, the best book I read was Beloved, mm. but we talked about it plenty. So yeah. I'll go with my second best book that I read. Uh, and, and this one, if you remember when we talked about it, I, I sort of came down feeling like I knew it was good, but having a hard time understanding why. It's it's a mm. book I recommend Aaron reads so he can tell me what I'm supposed to think about it. Okay. The Complete Moon Shadow by John Mark. Oh, right. Dame Matei. Yeah. Is this 90s? 
comic surreal. It called itself an adult fairy tale. Yeah. It's kind of like moving through space, fantasy stuff. There's this weird Chewbacca Grendel. It was, it was lots of surrealism, lots of kind of like changing arcs, but it's very nice to look at. Mm. There was times where it felt like it was, it felt like almost like it was doing some autobiographical work. It's hard to tell because I don't know anything about the guy. Right. It just, it felt like, and I, I remember you saying on the episode that, you know, the guy had done other things that are well known, but it, it felt yeah. like someone's, it felt like something that had been in someone's head for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. The personal text. Yeah. So it was, it was very enjoyable. Do you remember who the artist was? No, but I can find out for you. I'll look it up. It's, it's very good. Thanks. What are the other things we're doing? The worst in the experience? Uh, sure. Yeah. Or are we, Whatever you got. Are we, I was having a hard time hearing Nico, so I didn't, are we doing all of them? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. The worst book I read we t- we talked about was called The Song of Pentecost. Do you remember me talking about this one? Kind of, yeah. The author's name is uh, W.J. Corbett. Hmm. Uh, it was one of those things I got in a whim uh, when I was I was reading some, some Redwall stuff. Right. So this was a talking animal book written by a British guy, I, I think, in the 80s. And then it just went into this long and boring plot about a snake stealing another snake's mortgage. <laughs> And it was like this snake had a nice piece of swamp or something, and then his uncle stole his mortgage. So then he had to set off on an adventure to either get some money to buy his land back from his uncle or to find a new shady shady glen somewhere. I, I don't know. And then he met a mouse named Pensacost, and the mouse was annoying, and I put the book down. So <laughs> that, was, that was that book. There's some people on Reddit that thought it was really good, but uh, they are wrong. Right. Books about snake mortgages are not interesting. <laughs> But would you say it's the best book about snake mortgages? Probably. I mean, just plain probably honest. not. To be honest, oh, and, wow. you know, I am a high value man, so I will find more. <laughs> yeah, please do. And then, I think you know, similar to what Dave said with with his resolution, um, and and you to a degree, uh, I think my best reading experiences this year have been not forcing myself to read, and. <laughs> As a result of that, it happening more organically, right? And and so mm-hmm. instead of instead of trying to read, I've tried to create space to right. not be not be pressured by things. And then right. I've slowly, sometimes in in different levels of, of sort of you know kind of in fits and starts, been filling that space with reading. And it's it's you know it's been a long time since I had the feeling of like ah oh, I'll pick up a book. You know, and because right. for so long, especially through the pandemic, it was time to sit down and read. Like, you got to mm. read. Like, why aren't you reading? And it really sucked a lot of the fun out of it. Mm. And and now uh, I've had a lot more experiences of just like I'm sitting on the couch. Oh, there's a book over there. Why don't I? Why don't I pick it up and and kind of kind of read it? And and that that's been very enjoyable. And I'm hoping to kind of keep that up for myself. Yeah, totally. I like that. Any good particular hammock experiences this year? No, it was a very wet summer. I actually didn't spend too much time out in the yard. So no, mm. most of my reading has been on the couch this year. To follow up real quick, the artist for Moonshadow was John J. Muth, who is excellent. Mm. Yeah, it's very good looking. Uh, you should read it. I got a used copy on either Amazon or eBay or something for a couple bucks. It wasn't very expensive. Yeah, I think I found it on Hoopla after we talked last time and I didn't get around to reading it, but I definitely will because I'm curious. I like Jam DMTS a lot. Dave, back to you. Not back to you. Over to you. <laughs> you guys hear me okay? My, I think my connection yep. is a little shaky. Yeah, we can't see you, so we know what you're doing, uh, but we can hear you just Yeah, fine. I took my dick out for sure. Of course. that's We all knew that. 
Because it's detachable because of that bet. <laughs> Actually, it's yeah, it's gone. You took, took it out of its case. Took it out of its case. Cockholder. Ooh, the cockles so cockholder. My, it? my best book of the year is called All This Could Be Different. It's a novel hmm. by a writer named Sarah Thankham Matthews. Any of you guys heard of this? It was like on no. all sorts no. of like best of 2022 lists. No, definitely not. So the I think the reason I first heard about it is that because it's set in Milwaukee, uh, where hmm. I'm from. So I'm, you know, kind of instantly, I guess, intrigued by any fiction set in Milwaukee because it's so rare. Hmm. So I but I, I kind of, you know, the story didn't really sound on my alley. So I kind of put it off and, and then forgot about it. And then I don't know, sometime in September, maybe I kind of just randomly passed it in a bookstore and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll buy this and let's give it a shot. So like, I would say for the first, for act one of it, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, it's pretty well done, but mostly I'm into this book because of like, you know, the characters go to these Milwaukee like bars that I used to hang out with at. And there's some writing about the campus at the school I went to that kind of thing. So like a nostalgia trip. Yeah. But then somewhere in the middle of it, something clicked for me in the story itself. And then the rest of it, I was just riveted to the point where you, you guys know that I'm a big rereader. So I, I went back to page one and started reading through it again. Right. And that, you know, I kind of got tripped up, so I didn't actually finish the, the second read through, but um, I definitely want to revisit it soon. It was that good. Hmm. So the story is about, so it's a, like an Indian American woman who graduates from college takes like a sort of a, an odd kind of consulting job in Milwaukee. And, but what it's really about is like just trying to navigate life in, <laughs> in the U S in this, this current era, you know, particularly hmm. for people in their twenties, like trying to, you know, figure out what their lives are about and like how to stay afloat in this totally fucked up economic system that we're, kind of dumped into huh so she's like she makes good money at first but then she stops getting paid at the job even though she keeps working she lives as a tenant in a house owned by a woman who lives upstairs and is like a total freak show so she's always like always on the edge of eviction always on the edge of having you know no money in her account and then she forms this like circle of friends who themselves are always on the edge of of getting totally fucked also mm. and you know there's some throw some addiction into the pot there's a lot about you know gender dynamics and you know she's so her her parents are still in India and she is kind of living a double life like her parents don't know that she's gay because that's even you know less accepted there than it is here or you know at least with her family right and yeah something about so th and then th this group of people she gets wrapped up in they end up having a goal of buying so there's this big and i don't know if it exists in reality uh, i meant to go take a look but um just outside i think of the city proper there's this in the book itself, or in the book at least, there's this big pink house with like a lot of yard space around it. And they have, they put together this fantasy of, of you know, turning it into like a commune. Hmm. So all of them and, you know, anyone else who needs space to, to crash because, you know, they've been, they've, they can't, you know, navigate the system and, and, you know, can't afford to live anywhere else. 
will come to the commune and they'll have like they'll turn the yard into like a whole tent city thing so you know it's like a lot of idealistic stuff that you know is never actually going to happen although it does right kind of in a way happened too. But yeah, it was it was just so I was so surprised by how much I liked it because you know, if you told me well, obviously I read some reviews ahead of time and I was like, you know, I guess it sounds interesting and people seem to love it, but it doesn't it doesn't sound like a book that's written for me. Right. You know? Nothing but gripped that, you it, from Yeah. Right. It did. And excellent writing too, you know, hmm. not the like, you know, we talk so much about like the MFA like overly stylistic writers that we see these days especially i guess younger writers and you know i don't know if she mfa'd i'm sure she did but if she did she didn't turn out like the (laughs) the the kind of people we talk about (laughs) that sounds awesome i'm looking up to see she did mfa but i'm not oh oh iowa (laughs) Iowa, definitely mfa she yeah (laughs) mfa'd of mfa's Mega MFA'd. Yeah. <laughs> That's even more impressive to get out of the Iowa workshop and not have that sort of bland style. That's awesome. Yeah. I might, I, I would even put it on the, the suggestion list for a group read because I'd be super curious to see what you guys think of it. You know, I yeah. the setting, of course, kept me interested throughout. Right. Uh, but, but eventually it became not nearly as much about the setting as it became about the characters and the story and the writing right at the you know because at some point it was just like okay this this is just like okay like i would even forget it was set in milwaukee you know that's how captivated i was by what was going on right that was the end to get you in curious about reading it but it didn't it wasn't ultimately the the reason exactly it It didn't yeah it didn't depend on that it says here she wrote it in four months which is infuriating jesus that's impressive (laughs) <laughs> during covid we did a podcast during covid <laughs> yeah some would say uh, that so that's best book writing about nice worst book i don't know if we ever published this or if we were even recording but you know earlier this year it was in early february i gave myself a concussion and then for the next few months i was just kind of totally almost totally out of commission yeah and my memories of that time were also a little bit hazy but i know that i i went on a long rant about how much I disliked Bernie Sanders's <laughs> it's okay to be angry about capitalism. Did we record yeah. that or was that? No, it was definitely a, it was a text thread for sure. Or maybe oh, an email it was over thread. text. I wasn't even, Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think we <laughs> recorded it. We didn't record it. I think it was through email or, or text. Yeah. Oh, all right. See that my memory's even worse <laughs> than I thought it was. Like I remember talking about it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I, that is I, we, by far I, my, we did my a, worst book of the year. We did a bro to bro about your concussion. Yes, mm. but I don't remember mm. talking about. Do you remember that when we did that? Mm. No, no, I don't think we did. Terrible book. So it's you know the first fuck so long of it. Like the first half is a, like a rehashing of 2016 and 2020, which itself kind of was. I think it's an absurd idea. So like ostensibly the book is like, here are all of the problems we're faced with today. And here is what we can do to fix them. And I I should preface this by saying like, I I am a Bernie supporter. Like I I think he Hmm. is on the right side on bro, pretty much everything. I'm not a Bernie bro, but you know, I'm a Bernie boo. It's like, it stop short of being a bro, but a Bernie. <laughs> like, I don't go all the way with it, but I do right. like him. And I, I, I think he has a lot of 
good ideas, but he doesn't really express them in this book. And it's like, it's very toothless too. So the title is, it's okay to be angry about capitalism, but in the book, there's absolutely no anger. Right. Right. You know, he'll like, I can't remember specifics anymore because it was like 10 months ago now, but he'll like, so he'll, he'll bring up a topic and then he'll say some shit like, you know, and Lindsey Graham said this about it. And then, but the next line, instead of like being like, fuck you, Lindsey Graham, the next line is like, Lindsey Graham and I have been colleagues for decades together and I consider right. him a friend, but we disagree on this, this matter. It's like, okay, you're not angry. Right. And, and who's you're that not for? making me, <laughs> right. Who's that for? And then I think we also talked about, or I guess texted about how, um, also in theory, this is a book that's meant to be for, you know, the people who are getting fucked by the system that we live in. And then Bernie went on a reading tour where it was like 50 bucks just to get in the fucking door to hear him talk. You know? right. And then like right. another 30 bucks to buy a book unless you wanted him to sign it. And then it was like another 50. He's like, fuck off, man. Right. Uh, is there a sense that this was written by campaign staffers? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I was if it was something I was reading or something I was watching recently, but somebody referenced the person whose name I'd never heard before and then said this is Bernie uh Sanders' ghostwriter. So Right. I don't know. I guess shame on me for, you know, spending the money on it and thinking that it would be anything. But that sucked. It was hugely disappointing. Although I will counter it by are you guys familiar with Jenk Uger? Yeah. Yeah. So he did a he wrote a book that came out in September. Uh, called Justice is Coming. Right. That's very good. It's like exactly what my highest hopes for Bernie's book would have been. Mm. So he covers all of the same topics that Bernie covers, but he gives not only solutions that make sense, but he, for one thing, is a far better writer and it's much more engaging, but he doesn't do any of that stuff. Like he's not afraid to say, fuck you, Nancy Pelosi, right? The way that right. everyone should be saying constantly. <laughs> Yeah. So for that reason, it's like the polar opposite of the Bernie book. Well, he's also writing from outside that he's not a politician himself, right? So I mean, he, he said he wants to run against Biden, he, but he, yeah, he is running, but yeah, right. But he's not like not he's not well so far, but yeah, he's not. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he also doesn't have to deal with the the decorum of being in politics. Like, I guess if you're in the Senate. There is some degree to which you have to like it's your coworkers, right? So you're trying to get along with. But them. do you have to or? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know that you have to, but like, there's there's obviously <laughs> a sense that it's important to yeah, establish politicians, right? Don't think that. Yeah, that's the problem is that it's important to establish politicians. Like, to, there's a time and place for decorum, sure, but this is not the time or place. Well, yeah, and that we see the theater of the like political wheeling and dealing. We don't see the actual way right. it works, and so we perceive one thing, and then when doors are closed it's obviously very different so that makes sense and then so when a bernie sanders writes a book like this he should open those doors for us but instead he maintains that it's like my i've been friends with lindsey graham for decades so i don't want to step on his toes right like i expect basically any other politician to do that but bernie is the one you would think would be the one who'd be willing to buck the trend yeah yeah that makes sense so that's reading experience i would i would probably say so at first when i concussed myself my double vision was so bad that i you know i couldn't read anything yeah a few days into it i started wearing an eye patch and i would just like rotate you know i'd have it on the right eye for an hour and switch to the left right um but still 
doing pretty much anything but lying down would give me a headache. And I was like, fuck, man, I I don't know how long this is going to last, but (laughs) I don't think I'm going to get much reading done. But then, so I I was at the time had just started a book called, God damn it. So the writer is J.L. Davis. I know that. Hmm. Jim Davis, the great Garfield. (laughs) Yeah, I read a series of Garfield books. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I would read that. That would have been a good idea. <laughs> My favorite author is a guy named James Davis. He's he kind of like <laughs> kind of well known. He's got a real knack for characterization. Best book about cats. <laughs> Nerful. <laughs> uh, so the novel's called A Meaningful Life. It's about a, a married hmm. couple, and it, they're not a great couple. They buy a super. Oh, I can't think of the word, but like a, a brownstone in Brooklyn. That's like in horrible shape that they have to like gut renovate, hmm. which like taxes, not only their already taxed marriage, but their finances as well. And it's not like, so, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's an entertaining novel. It's not like a, a book that I recommend highly or anything. It was like, it was fine. But the, the experience of like one day finally discovering that I could read like for 10 minutes at a time without getting a headache or without needing like a four hour nap afterwards. And then like a couple of days later, it would be up to 15 minutes, like working through right. that process with that book and like slowly recovering from this like absurd injury yeah. that I gave myself was, you know, one pleasant thing to come out of it, I guess. Yeah, totally. Like a return to form, you know, sort of getting your, your sea legs back under you. That's good. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Nico, did you want to add a favorite reading moment or experience to your list? <laughs> I guess there have been a couple in my book group, in one of my book groups that we go to, and people just like shred these books. <laughs> it's great. So uh, yeah, talking about wool in that book group uh, mm-hmm. was great. <laughs> the- I convinced numerous people to hate it. <laughs> they came in liking it, and I was like, no, this book is terrible. And I and I won. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's that's it. <laughs> For me, a couple favorite book. As I mentioned before, in the, on our resolutions episode, this was maybe my worst reading year in a long time, possibly since like like primary school. Uh, I haven't read a lot this year at all, and I can't quite figure out why. Partly it's due to usual work stress, but also I think I just got I don't know like in a in a loop of of not doing a lot, so I don't really have a good like list to draw on. I do think my favorite book that I read this year is a follow-up to last year's favorite book, which was Astro City Volume 1. It was Astro City Volume 2. <laughs> I read the second trade <laughs> that came out. It's fucking great. Astro City is so good. Uh, it's a really thoughtful and human book about superheroes uh, and about how they you know, experience the same sort of problems that, that you and I would experience. But complicated by the fact that they have some sort of weird super ability or responsibility or whatever it may be it's written by kurt busiek it was a comic writer i've loved forever you know since this was a young comic reader and drawn by brent anderson who's great but i I read the second trade during my retreat uh which is actually my best reading experience i'll get more on that later and i just devoured it in one night and it was fantastic it was it's really good uh i highly recommend astro city i got three and four in the backlog and I might crank out three before the year is done. So I might have two Astro City reads this year. But I can't say enough positive things about Astro City. Uh, I really think anyone listening to this, including my personal pals here, would all dig it. You know, if you don't like one story, they kind of like, they move on to the next one pretty quickly. And 
Uh, you just get little slices of life, little bits of stories often told from the perspective of the everyday citizens living in Astro City who experience these sort of things around them and sort of how they react to it. The fo- second volume was mostly taken up with a story about a character named Steeljack, who was a reformed villain. He was in prison for a long time. He's kind of like has a chrome body, like his whole body. He looks like a, he looks like a jamoke. He looks like he's deliberately designed after an actor whose name escapes me right now, Robert Mitchum. Yeah, Robert Mitchum? Yes, right. Um, he looks like Mitchum, but he's like all covered in steel and he is trying to go straight, but he gets kind of get wrapped up in a criminal conspiracy again and sort of has to kind of become a detective to figure out what's going on. It's really good stuff. And you really sort of feel and understand, you know, sort of how Steel Jack has lived his life and, and what he regrets and what he doesn't. And yeah, it's just a really, really good storytelling across the board in Astro City. Lee's favorite's hard. I don't know. I, this is always hard for me because I, I don't read like I I don't read enough. I don't read broadly enough to have like books. I don't like usually like I I read targeted. (laughs) And so I usually find stuff. I'm trying to think of, there's something comics that I don't like, but usually when I don't read a comic, I read the first issue and I never look back. I did. However, I read Batman regularly, the Batman title. And uh, this year there was a crossover event with the Catwoman book called the, the Gotham war. And it was really awful. Uh, Just a really stupid, crossover it was insipid writing across the board characterization that makes zero sense and what it's done is effectively ruined batman as a character for the for the time being they've just taken away all the stuff that makes batman fun and replaced it with essentially nothing so yeah i really hated the gotham war that was very stupid and it's one of the books where i don't i don't read catwoman regularly but because i read batman i was like well i'll pick up those catwoman issues and follow along the story just in case it's any good and boy i wish i had not done that because it was uh (laughs) pu stinky but my best, oh, and I, sh- I should add, uh, I left deliberately left off Beloved and White Noise from my list because those just seem like obvious winners. Uh, they're too good. Uh, so I wanted to exclude the canon or canon books that we read because I usually just go to those in it because they're, they're phenomenal. My best reading experience was my retreat at my little cabin. So in May, I went to this like one room cabin thing. They're called getaway cabins in New Hampshire for two nights. And I just read the entire time. Or was it one night? I think it was one night. I can't remember actually. Maybe it was two nights. Doesn't matter. I the goal was to go <laughs> we and just need read. To know. I think it must have been two nights. Now that I think about it, because <laughs> it did rain the second night. I talked about it before in the podcast that I had dreamed of this idea of going to like a remote cabin and just having time to read, and then I found that I could do it. it cost a pretty penny, but I I was able to do it for two days, and it was nice. Uh, and I read all of Astro City Volume Two. And all of You Only Live Twice, the James Bond, the Ian Fleming, James Bond okay. novel. And, you know, both were great. Like I said, Astro City is my favorite read of the year. It was so good. You Only Live Twice was not my favorite book of the year, <laughs> for sure. But it was a fun read and it was like a quick one, right? It was kind of nice to go to this cabin and just read some stuff that was fun and engaging. And I got I had a good time with it. And that was about it. So, yeah, I do recommend The Getaway Cabin. I think if you can afford like a, a night or two away, it's, it's pretty nice. It's very peaceful up in the mountains of New Hampshire. And it was nice to just have unadulterated time to sit in a bed in the rain and read. It was awesome. Uh, so I might try it again this next year as a little uh, end of semester treat for myself. But we'll see. Listeners, tell us your best and worst and favorites of the year. We want to hear all your recommendations and anti-recommendations, all that stuff. Email us those thoughts at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com. But also go to patreon.com slash yakbabies where you can get our bonus podcast. The segment, the bonus podcast, the shadow podcast, will cost you a dollar a month. And for all that, uh, just for that one dollar, you get so much. You get all kinds of 
bro conversations and you get discussions of our weird lives and stories and you get separate podcasts <laughs> about jokes and candy and all kinds of fun stuff happening there. So, so do check it out. And you also talk to us. You can post on the forum and we will respond. You can give yeah, us with the demise of Twitter. That's our, yeah, even that's for what, freebies. That's the, that's the space. Yeah. That's where we're doing the work. Give us brag points. You know, we haven't discussed brag points yet, but oh. that's a big <laughs> change this year to the podcast. So give us some brag points. And then of course we have our merch, tinyurlcom slash Jack babies where brick is designed all kinds of good stuff there. There's some new ones too. There's some new shirts and posters and mugs. So go check them out and enjoy those. And until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Yay!